parasha discusses the um, particulars of the Mishkan. One of the things that the parasha discusses is the Yeriyas, the covering of the Mishkan. What is this covering made of? So there were three layers, at least three layers. One layer was called Yeriyas HaMishkan. This was the lowest layer. And this was made from Sheish, Mosh, from six different threads. It was made of ten slats that were sewn together, and they formed a tapestry that covered the Mishkan. On top of that, there was a second layer of tapestries, which was longer than the lower one. It was made out of eleven slats. And the Torah describes how the second layer was so long that it dragged even on the ground. It went down from the top of the Mishkan, and on the side it even touched the ground. It was made from 11 slats. It was made from izim. It's called Yeriyas Izim, made from goat hair. So the Tzema Tzedek, in a fascinating discussion, explains the whole meaning of that. We know the Mishkan is a place to bring Kedusha down into the world. And it's also designed as a model for us how to bring Kedusha into our lives and turn ourselves into a Mikdash. For every part of the Mishkan is a particular uh, resource for us to learn how to engage in bringing the Abish, the, the Kedusha, into our, into our lives. So the, the organ, for example, is the Torah. Through Limitat Torah, we connect with Hashem in a certain way. And the Yeriyas represent mitzvahs. Like mitzvahs are these transcendent actions that don't resonate with our sensibilities necessarily. These are godly actions that are greater than us, greater than our minds, but they still bring Kedusha into our world, into our lives, on a more transcendent level. Just like the Yeriyas are above the Mishkan. So what is the meaning of the Yeriyas, the first level of Yeriyas and the second? The first level of Yeriyas is Torah Mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, as we said, brings Kedusha into the world. It hovers from above, just like the Yeriyas. And this was made from wool and from all kinds of... Um, different types of wool, blue, purple wool, and, and green wool, and so on. And then on top was from goat hair. What is the significance of goat hair? The Gemara says in, in Shabbos, uh, the Gemara asks a question. Why is it that on a farm, when we see um, a flock of sheep walking, in front of them there's always goats. Goats always lead the procession of a flock of animals. And the Gemara says, because goats are black in general, and sheep are white, and darkness comes before light. In creation, night comes before day. So the animals sort of emulate a design in creation. First dark and then light. In other words, the goats represent darkness, and the sheep represent light. That's why the goat represents the forces of darkness, which is Esav. Esav is also called Seir. A Seir is a goat. It's because Esav was hairy. He had a lot of hair. Why are goats called Seir? Because they are hairy. So why are we identifying them by a hair? It's because it says in Chesidus that the hair is representative of a... Um, a very minimal 
uh, expression of life. That's why you can cut the hair of a person or of an animal, it doesn't hurt because the, the, the amount of life that's expressed in here is very minimal as opposed to the skin. If you cut the skin, it hurts. It's representative of the forces of evil. The forces of evil also depend on Hashem to give them life. But they get life from Hashem and at the same time, they cut Hashem out of their, of their conscious life. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They want to live their own autonomous uh, the agenda. So, Hashem provides them with life. So how can they live if they reject Hashem? And Hashem is the only resource of life. The answer is Hashem can be involved in giving life and at the same time transcend the, 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 the creation that He sustains. So Hashem is involved and gives them life, but at the same time He is Beprinus Makif. That means He stays above them. He's not engaged and not permeated and enmeshed with their inner world. And this is only Hashem can do such a thing. Ain't Kodesh Ka Hashem. Hashem can be imminently involved in sustaining life and fostering existence and at the same time transcending and um, remaining separate. So this is the reason why the goats are called Seir, Sair, because of the hair. It's representative of the forces of evil. And this is also why Rivka gave Yaakov, when she wanted him to dress up like Aesop, she put a hairy skin on his arms. So it's something like explains, because the whole world of Aesop is connected to hair, to Soir, which is a goat. And they're dark, because they represent the forces of darkness. So we know that the goats represent the world of evil. So we place them on top of the first layer to indicate that there is something even higher than mitzvahs, and that is tshuva. Tshuva for someone who actually delved and flirted with the world of evil, the world of darkness, that such a person through tshuva attracts even a greater divine light that can even transform evil and make it into good. As the Zohar says, transforming darkness into light. And that's the second layer. Now goats are a kosher animal. Because as the Tzimatzik says, goats represent a world where God is separate from that world. In a, word, in a way, separate at least, is not revealed in the world that he fosters and sustains every moment. So the goat can also be in a, pure, a pure animal because it represents that divine light that is uh, not able to be revealed and permeate the inner conscious world of, of the world of darkness and evil. This is also the reason why the Yerias Izim were 11 slats instead of 10. This is also the reason why they dragged on the floor. Because we know the number 11 is associated with Klippe, with evil. The Rizal says this and explains the following. Ten is a perfect number. It's the number of the ten spheres. Nature is designed by the number ten. The building blocks of creation are ten spheres, ten divine character traits. We also are designed in the image, in the template of the ten spheres. We also have ten characteristics. The world of evil is, is uh, described by the number eleven. Why is that? Because... In, in a world of Kedusha, 
where God's presence, the, 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 the source of life that sustains that world is clearly acknowledged and experienced within that world, the, the dimension of life that sustains them is not separate from them, it's united with them. So if there are ten spheres, and that's the makeup, the constitution of a world, so it's ten, comes the number ten, there are ten spheres. But in the world of Klippe, where they reject the acknowledgement of the source of life that they themselves are sustained by, they are driving a wedge between themselves and the divine source. So they create an extra dimension. So in addition to the ten faculties that, this, that make up every world, they create a, an eleventh dimension, which is God, the divine source of life that sustains them. Because that divine source remains above them, separate from them. It does not manifest itself openly within them. This is why the Keturus, the incense um, in Yom Kippur, was made from 11 ingredients because um, the power of the Keturus was so great, it was greater than the other Kabbanas. Other Kabbanas were atoning for a shegek, an unintentional Avera. But the Keturus on Yom Kippur in Kedosh Gadoshim was such a powerful, such a potent resource um, that attracted such a powerful light from Hashem that can even transform evil into good, making Averas into mitzvahs. And that's the, the power of Yom Kippur. That's why he's made from 11. This is also why the Yerias Izim, which represents the tshuva, the transformation of darkness into light, dragged on the floor to show that this is a level of light that is far superior to the level of light that the first Yerias attracted. And it's so powerful, its power is noticed and noted in the fact that it can drag on the floor, go down to the lowest abyss of evil and transform that into light.